What if you could have a film critic, film festival director, film publicist, and fellow filmmaker guide you with your film's PR and marketing journey from pre-production to post? I'm Kevin Sampson, and my online course, PR for the Indie Filmmaker, does just that. In this course, I'm going to teach you how to set up your film to engage an audience and build a community long before you call action. I'll show you how to approach critics to make them aware of your film like publicists do. And as a director of two film festivals, I won't just teach you hacks and secrets to reduce entry fees, but how you can use the festival circuit to create buzz around your film. I'm a huge supporter of diverse storytelling and film, and I believe the most unique voices come from indie filmmakers. That's who I've supported over the years with my show, Picture Lock, whether on TV or on radio. With as much experience as I've had as an independent filmmaker myself, critic, publicist, and festival director, I realize that most indie filmmakers just need access to the knowledge that big firms provide to achieve success. So in this course, I'm going to demystify some of the process and give you everything I know and a behind the scenes look at the sides of the business you don't always see. So if you're an indie filmmaker that's looking to change the game with your film's PR and marketing, make sure you check out PR for the Indie Filmmaker. Head on over to PRForTheIndieFilmmaker.com and get a free preview of the course, PR for the Indie Filmmaker. Get your film seen, build community, and become an army of one. Fire up the projector. Get your popcorn while it's hot. You know what it is. It's time for Picture Lock. It's Picture Lock on WERA LP Arlington 96.7 FM. Welcome to another episode of the world-famous award-winning show, I'm your host, Kevin Sampson, filmmaker, film festival director, film critic, film publicist, and lover of film and TV. You can find the back episodes and so much more at PictureLockShow.com. As of today, PictureLock is a 30-minute radio program. I had to cut back because the hour-long show was just a little too taxing on me. But I've got two amazing filmmakers on the show today. First, I talk with director of North Pole NY, Ali Cotterill. We talk about her film, which focuses on Santa's Workshop, one of the first theme parks in the U.S. battling a changing economy and digital world. I also talk with Amy Adrian, director and producer of Half the Picture. The documentary is about the dismal number of women directors working in Hollywood, but covers successful women directors, their career paths, struggles, inspirations, and hopes for the future. But first, in celebration of Ali's film, I have my review of Netflix's The Christmas Chronicles. It's definitely a winner to watch with the family. In fact, I've got a couple little family members of my own to talk about it. And that's all ahead on Picture Lock. Hi, this is Eric Humphrey, CEO and publisher of Flight on the Set magazine, and you're listening to Picture Lock Radio. All right, guys, so as the holidays descend upon us, so do the holiday movies. Enter Netflix's latest, The Christmas Chronicles. Who would have thought Kurt Russell would make such a great Santa Claus? Said someone who has never seen a Kurt Russell film. Kate, played by Darby Camp, and Teddy Pierce, played by Judah Lewis, are siblings who have recently lost their father. They don't spend much time together like they used to, perhaps. It's because of their age difference, but likely because of the loss of their dad. 
So when Kate propositions Teddy to help her catch Santa, played by Kurt Russell on video, in exchange for not showing their mother video evidence of Teddy's grand theft auto, he agrees. Not only do the two catch Santa in the act, they wind up going for a wild ride over an entertaining night with Santa Claus himself in an effort to save Christmas. Yes, it's the sappy theme you'd expect, but with a modern edge that makes it fun for the entire family. Imagine all the great Kurt Russell quips that you've heard and swag you've seen in his work history applied to the role of Santa. He's your cool grandpa that knows everyone he comes in contact with. We've already watched it twice in the last week in my house. So go to picturelockshow.com slash now streaming and you'll be able to read the full review of the Christmas Chronicles. But right now I have two of probably the best film critics to talk about this film. Uh, my very own children, Ella and KJ. So I have Ella. She's going to tell, what was your favorite part of the film, Ella? My favorite part was when Santa Claus was in jail and he was doing the band. Yeah, the part where they had like this, the musical in the jail cell. Yeah, most definitely. That was definitely a fun part. You can definitely see that in the trailer, folks. Was there anything else that you, you really enjoyed about the film? When the police um, was going to let Santa out of jail, but then he went through the... Yeah, through the, through the ceiling? Through the ceiling. <laughs> Alright, so Ella, if you had to give this film a grade, what would you give it? The best. <laughs> Alright, now I got uh, Kevin Alexander. Kevin <laughs> KJ, what was your favorite part of the film? When Santa Claus um, was say was was giving the guitar and that instrument, and then the band went on, and then bam, 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 bam. <laughs> All right, so he's obviously an eloquent film critic. Uh, he too enjoyed the scene in the jail cell with the musical sing along. KJ, what would you give this film? Like, what grade would you give it? Uh, grade. <laughs> And there you have it, folks. I gave The Christmas Chronicles a B. KJ gave it an A, B, C, D, E, F, G. And Ella gave it the best. It's definitely a good one for the family. We really enjoyed it. After we finished watching it the first time, we wanted to watch it again. Um, we actually did watch it again like a couple days later. Uh, so you definitely want to check that out on Netflix, The Christmas Chronicles. And so let's go ahead and roll straight into today's interview with Ali Cotterill. You're listening to Picture Lock. I'm your host, Kevin Sampson, and North Pole, New York is a feature-length documentary about Santa's Workshop, one of the very first theme parks in the U.S. battling against a changing economy, the digital world, and a con man who tries to steal Christmas. He's trying to steal Christmas, guys. This is not cool. <laughs> the dreamers in one small town vow to keep the park open and the magic of Christmas alive all year. I have the film's director, Ali Cotterill, on the line. Ali, welcome to Picture Lock. Hey, Kevin. Thanks for having me. It's my pleasure. We got to talk about this con, man, Ali. This is not cool. <laughs> I know. I know. The Grinch who stole Christmas. Oh, man. So, Ali, the first question that I always start out with, when did you first fall in love with film? Um, well, yeah, I mean, I first fell in love with film really young. Um, I 
I grew up in the suburbs of New Jersey, and uh, I, like, was just a film nerd from a really young age. I can't remember not being one, um, <laughs> and it was my favorite thing to do. And um, I just, I had a lot of time to, I, I was kind of like a daydreamer, always dreaming up stories and all that kind of stuff. So um, I went to undergrad um, and got an English degree, which was kind of headed in the right direction, like, you know, storyteller of some sort. Um, yeah. And... <laughs> Um, and then I moved to Portland, Oregon, and I actually founded a drag king troupe. Do you know what that is, Kevin? I do drag not. King. You don't? Okay. It's kind of like the opposite of a drag queen, right? Yeah. So it's like, so it's like yeah, women that are male impersonators. Okay. Um, so I started, uh, yeah, so I started a drag king troupe, and um, then I started doing all the sort of multimedia for our shows, and that's how I got into filmmaking and ended up going to film school and was off and running from there. So it's kind of like a typical drag king to filmmaker story. <laughs> <laughs> right. I love it. So you're trying to like throw off the whole interview because now I want to know all about drag kings and like how this whole thing works. But uh, yeah, I mean, maybe you can in this next question kind of mix and match. But like, how did you get into the industry? I'm just I'm thrown off now. Like drag king. I want to oh, know sorry. more. Like who do you I know, I know. who do you impersonate? Go like Google, like the internet provides the internet. Provides. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I mean, it's basically just like, it was a lot of fun. I did that for a few years. Um, and, uh, impersonated a lot of different people. Um, but yeah, we did. Um, so from, from there, like I went back to film school, um, in Portland in a, like an all digital program. It was one of the first like all digital ones. And, um, so there were a lot of documentarians there and my, my first, gig was actually like my professor was doing a movie called exotic world and the burlesque revival which was about the history of burlesque and i knew a lot of burlesque people from doing drag and so started working on her movie and that's kind of like that was my first entry into the industry i guess yeah and then from there like i moved to new york and worked my way up as an editor i edited this movie called united in anger which is about act up you know act up kevin <laughs> I've heard of it. Yes, okay. <laughs> Ali, this is—I love it. Like, side like, note. Um, so I worked on that movie, and I went on the festival circuit with them in 2012, and saw all these amazing movies. And I was like, "All right, go time. Gonna make my own." That's when I started making um, North Pole, New York. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Picture Lock. I'm Kevin Sampson, and I am steady using Google as I'm talking with Ali Cotterella, <laughs> the director oh of God. North Pole, Kevin, New York. I would love to see what came up when you Googled Drag King. I um, would love to see your results. It was like 11 drag kings you need to know um, and all this stuff. So like now I'm going to I'm going to educate myself so that um, the next time that I get, you know, do you know what drag king is? I'm like, yep, I do. Thanks to Allie. <laughs> <laughs> I do what I can. I do what I can. Exactly. So, Allie, if you could, like in your own words, what is North Pole New York about? And then also, I'd love to know how like this material came across your desk. Totally. Um so North Pole, New York is uh, the story of a Christmas theme park that's fighting to stay open against all odds. Um, and yeah, the way that it came up, I, I love, like when I was a kid, I always loved theme parks and roadside attractions, kitschy stuff. So I was like thinking about my first movie and I went up there. What I do usually is I do like a test shoot, like, and I'm like, oh, well, it could be a short or it could be a feature. Let's see. So we went and did a test shoot and it went so well I met like half the people that ended up in the movie that first weekend so 
that's kind of like we were like, all right, this is a go. Because it's a because it's an amusement park, like the movie was so much fun to make. I mean, we just like hung out in an amusement park, um, <laughs> and it's a lot of fun to watch. But then there's also all these other issues kind of that come up in it. You like you learn about like you know small town, small rural communities in the U.S. like losing kind of mom and pops and Main Street USA and all that kind of stuff. So it's like you have the fun factor and then you can kind of like sneak in the other stuff. You know what I mean? Right, right, right. The bigger picture stuff. Um, Yeah, it also made me think a lot about like, um, you know, I grew up in the 80s and 90s, so I was kind of like a pre-internet kid. Um, Like we got the internet when I was a teen. And so (laughs) I think that that growing up in that period, it you didn't have to work as hard to foster imagination in kids. It was kind of like an easier thing. And and now like places like Santa's workshop that are analog are really rare. And I think I've, I've found myself thinking about that so much, making the movie, like how you have to intentionally foster that in a kid now, you know what I mean? Yeah, no. So, you know, when I saw this, so it, it reminded me of my childhood. So, um, my grandparents are in Flint, Michigan, and there's this place called Frankenmuth. And yes, heard yeah, of it. Exactly. So it's like Christmas 24-7. And I remember when I was a kid, like, my grandmother wanted um, to take me and my brother to go see it. And I mean, maybe I was, like, middle school, so I was, like, feeling a little too cool to go to a... <laughs> right, right. <laughs> and... Um, but now, like, looking back at it, it's kind of like one of those things where, like, you know, it is such a, a special rarity, and it can be a memory builder for, you know, you, your loved ones, your family, etc. cetera. Um, and yeah. so it is, like, an important thing that we we highlight and we don't lose. Um, I, too, can relate to you, like, in terms of, like, <laughs> the other day I was showing a, a group of kids, like, um, uh, some antiquated uh, phones and stuff. And I was like, who knows what this is? And I, I held up a beeper and everybody was like, a garage opener. <laughs> like, I have no idea what that is. Yeah, right. totally. Exactly. So for the audience that's listening, like why is a film like this important? Why should we care? Why should we see um, something like this and, and try to do something about it? Um, I think that, you know, those two things that I, that I was talking about, sort of the imagination part, um, making sure that kids have a like a an analog childhood still in the digital age, and also just keeping um, like mom and pop businesses open. You know, it's the movie is about this one place, but it's like just kind of a symbol of a way bigger thing that's happening everywhere. You know, I think it's kind of interesting because there's this idea that bigger. It's like you know we live under capitalism, obviously, and there's this idea that like bigger is better, bigger, 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 and um, you know, this this theme park is the one that stayed alive, the one that stayed small. Like some other ones that tried to go bigger, bigger, better, you know, they kind of like have gone away. So I don't know. It's interesting. Like I always go to mom and pops when I like travel or and at home like all the time. I don't know. I just think that there's something about keeping the local local and having it like have an individual flavor. You know, it seems really sad to me to think of like everywhere being like the same. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I, I totally get you. It's Picture Lock. I'm Kevin Sampson. I'm talking with the director of North Pole, New York, Ali Cotterill. Ali, I, I get the feeling that uh, when The Grinch Who Stole Christmas came on, you were throwing popcorn at the screen for the first couple acts of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, for sure. Like, um, 
People have described it, like, sometimes people in the audience have described it as, like, uh, it's a wonderful life, like, some, like, a documentary version of it, um, because it's, like, the whole town's, like, rallying around to save something, you know, right. save the park. Um, so, yeah, I really do feel like that. And also, um, I mean, it's tricky, right? I was just going to, like, filmmaking now, it's like, you can Google and see if the park is still open, so we couldn't have that be, like, they do, you know, they do win. Um, it's a much more complicated story than that but yeah they do win which is like you know you never see that like wow david and goliath you know right right which makes for uh, a great heartwarming time november 28th this is gonna drop ali if you could kind of wrapping up here how can folks follow the film find out more um about it follow you guys on social media etc yeah so uh you can find out everything at uh north pole ny film com um, and all of the social media handles are North Pole and Lifefilm.com or, or backslash, you know what I mean. Um, <laughs> anyways, and uh, yeah, it's coming to uh, it's coming to DVD and digital November twenty eighth, and uh, yeah, after that, uh, we haven't announced it yet, but we're going to be going international after that. So nice. just keep an eye out on the website, and you'll see. But yeah, US VOD November twenty eighth. Well, it's definitely hitting right in between the two big holidays, and I'm sure it's going to be a good one. Exactly. Going to be a good one for you and the family to rally around. And who knows, maybe folks will even take a trip to to go see the Santa's Workshop. That would be a fun trip. Yeah, a bunch of people have, actually. They've told me after the movie, they're like, oh, I'm going to go see it. Nice. That's cool. All right, director Ali Cotterill of North Pole, New York. Thanks so much for coming on Picture Lock. Thank you. Picture Lock question of the week this week. What's the one holiday movie you absolutely have to watch? Call 202-350-1351 and leave a 60-second or less voicemail or leave a comment via Picture Lock social media, and I'll play or read it on next week's show. Let's jump into my interview with Amy Adrian. This interview really pulls back the curtain as you'll hear that we recorded this way back in September as she names the dates the film will play. I left it in, however, so you'd hear how well the film has done and will be inclined to check it out. So here's the interview with Amy Adrian. This is Aaron Goodmiller, producer and director of Admins, and you're listening to Picture Lock. You're listening to Picture Lock. I'm Kevin Sampson, and Half the Picture celebrates the groundbreaking work of female film directors and investigates the systematic discrimination that has for decades denied opportunities to far too many talented women in Hollywood. I have the film's director, producer, Amy Adrian on the line. Amy, welcome to Picture Lock. Thank you so much. Amy, I'm looking forward to getting into, uh, you know, the ins and outs of your documentary. But the first question that I always start out with, when did you first fall in love with film? Yeah. Um, you know, I don't, I can't say it's like a certain moment, but I'm sure as many of your guests and many of us, um, you know, I just started watch tons of uh, films as a kid. And both of my parents are huge film fans. They're big TCM, Turner Classic Movies (laughs) fans. And, you know, they just always kind of had movies on and loved a huge variety of films, you know, highbrow, lowbrow, and everything in between, you know, from Animal House and Cannonball Run to, you know, The Fireman's Ball and Fellini and uh, Godfather, of course, and stuff like that. So, 
you know, I just grew up kind of always watching movies. I mean, I'm, I've said this in another interview. I'm kind of embarrassed to say, but like my parents took me to see Animal House at the drive-in when I was like five <laughs> years old. So I was exposed to <laughs> yeah. a lot of crazy stuff as a kid. And, you know, there are certainly films I remember loving as a kid. I remember when Grease came out, that was kind of like a oh, big one for me. And I remember getting the album and just kind of being obsessed. So I've always, you know, I've just always been watching movies and, you know, loving that ride that they that they offer. Yeah, and what a ride it is. Movie magic is just something that I love asking that question. Um, and your parents sound a lot like me. Like, I, I'm, I'm definitely trying to make sure I don't expose my kids to anything too crazy too early. But, you know, you know, let's let's watch Star Wars at the age of three. Like, yeah, don't be afraid right. of Darth Vader. It's just a man with a mask. <laughs> Right. Well, it's so funny now. I have kids, too. I don't let them watch anything. I'm like way, way too protective. I'm like, I don't know, is, is Wonder Woman a little too crazy? And, you know, but right. I feel like I was watching, like, really crazy stuff at a young age. But whatever. Time change. <laughs> All right. So, Amy, if you could, you know, take us from the girl who watched Grease, got the album, to the woman who is directing films. How did you get into the industry? Um... Well, I went to Georgetown University in D.C. Um, and had a great experience there. But at the time I was there, they didn't have a film program. I think I believe they have a film minor now. But I took, they did have some acting classes and some screenwriting classes. And I took a screenwriting class with Professor John Glavin there. That kind of blew my mind. He taught... Um, uh, Christopher Nolan's brother who came up with the script for Memento in John Glavin's class at Georgetown. So there is like a history of, of, um, of film at, at the school there. Mm -hmm. But I just, you know, I didn't, it just seems like such a crazy path. I mean, no one in my family worked in the movie business. It seemed like a really crazy thing for someone to do or be able to make a living doing. But when I graduated from school, I kind of reached out to an alum, uh, an alumnus who um, said she was a film director. And I was like, you know, hey, that's what I want to do, too. Do you have a job for me? And she was <laughs> like, who, who are you? And I made right. one short film. And who do you think I am that I'm like hiring people? Like, no, but thanks. And but the funny thing is, like a couple months later, it was right after I graduated from college, she actually called me up. I remember it was a Sunday morning at 8 a.m. And she said, actually... I'm going to be location managing an independent film in Boston. If you want to move here, I was living back home in New Jersey where I grew up. She said, if you want to move here, I can give you a job as a PA and we can't pay you, but that's what I can offer. And I was like, done. And I moved to Boston and, you know, didn't get paid for the first month and then eventually got paid a little bit. And then that just started me working in film and I worked as, you know, in, in independent film production. Then I worked at a distribution company in New York and just kind of learned filmmaking. And after a little while at that distribution company, you know, it had kind of all those years I had been working in film, it just kept eating at me. Like, I want to be the one directing the movies. I want to be the one making the movies. And finally I was like, all right, I got to go to grad school for this. And then I went to graduate school at UCLA um, in their, directing program and you know that allowed me to make short films and and led to the feature that I made 
Man, there's so many questions that I have, and um, I wish we had more time. I might have to have you come back on, because even the whole moving and the security net, like, how do you survive for a month? But I want to jump into... I, I lived in the crappiest apartment. Oh, that's, that's the short answer, but <laughs> I'll let you keep going. I lived in a dining room in a crappy apartment in Boston. Anyway. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, okay, Amy, you're coming back on, okay? You, you, you have to, because we could go on from there. <laughs> Half the picture, if you could, in your own words, what is the film about and why is it important? Yeah. Well, Half the Picture is a love letter to women directors and a celebration of the work that they've made. So we interview really incredible women film directors like Ava DuVernay and Jill Soloway, Lena Dunham, Miranda July, Gina Prince-Bythewood, Karin Kusama, Mary Heron, Kim Pierce. Um, there's all these incredible directors and storytellers whose films I love and are certainly part of my film education and, and what made me want to become a filmmaker. Um, and I, you know, sit down with them and ask them all the questions really that I wanted to know like how you know it's so hard this business is so hard for everyone it's particularly hard for women certainly statistics show women direct about four percent of movies so men direct 96 percent of movies so not only is it a tough business but women just don't get those opportunities as much so i wanted to ask these women like how did you get your first film made how did you break through you know once you've made that film how did you build a career how do you deal with sexist nonsense on set from crew members or from producers or when you're pitching a project or, you know, how do you deal with all the rejection you get when you submit to the high profile festivals like Sundance and South by Southwest and Cannes and you don't get in or you don't get the grants or you don't get, you know, all these things that we apply for and hope for along the journeys of our films. Like how do you stay motivated? How do you not lose faith in yourself, in your work? So that's kind of what the film is. It was like my, you know, very selfish exploration for myself of like, how did these women get where they are and what do they have to share with me about how I can use those insights in, in my own life and career. And, and it was, um, it was, the film was an absolute joy to make. And, you know, the women are just really incredible. They're just amazing characters as people in a documentary film. They're smart and funny and, self-deprecating and you know outra outrageous and they're fighters and they're lovers and they're dreamers and I mean they are like the people I want to I want to be like and I want to spend my time with so that's that's what the film is it's picture lock I'm Kevin Sampson I'm talking with the director producer of half the picture Amy Adrian Amy, you know, as you were talking, you know, just earlier before, uh, you know, I got into doing these interviews today, I was looking through my social media feed, and of course, it's like movie stuff. And one of the things was like Brie Larson uh, responds to trolls about needing to smile more, um, you know, as she's Captain Marvel now uh, in the MCU. And so as you were talking kind of about, you know, how, how you deal with like the sexist stuff on, on set, I think it's on set, but it's also like even in, you know, just in the real world, social media world that we, we live in. Um, so sure. one, one of the things that I kind of want to ask as we wrap up here is 
I love the fact that you said it was your selfish need to ask these different questions. So I think in some ways you're making the film for the little girl or for the the young woman that was, you know, in that crappy apartment that we talked about um, so that she kind of will have now the tools to know how to kind of navigate the system. If you could, what is the one thing that you're hoping audiences take away after seeing the film? Well, I think you you kind of hit on it exactly. I mean, after every single screening that we've had, and we've had just a great run with the film. I've been so grateful. I and mean, we had our world premiere at the Sundance Film Festival. We played at South by Southwest. We played in, you know, San Francisco and New York and L.A. and, and, and all over and, and Sydney, Australia, um, you know, all over the world, London. Um, and after every single screening, and I've been at a lot of the screenings, I've had people come up to me, women and men, mostly women, but both saying like, oh my gosh, I have this script, it's been in my drawer, you know, or it's like in the early stages on my computer and like, I'm going to go home tonight and I'm going to work on this thing because like, I will get my work made and I will do it. And you're like, oh my gosh, <laughs> it like touches my heart, it touches right, my right. heart in, such, in such a way I can't even say. And that's, you know, that's the, that's that's the goal. That's kind of everything that it just inspires everyone to have faith and tell your own story and give people that little bit of motivation to know like, yes, this is really, really, really hard. Don't kid yourself, have a really thick skin, but people are doing it and you can do it. Yeah. And I think that's an amazing message. Amy, if you could let folks know how they can see this amazing message themselves, how they can follow you guys on social media, find out more about the film. Yeah, well, we are all all over on social media, half the picture on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook, and you can follow us on those and, you know, get updates about the film. And we release kind of special little behind the scenes videos that are not in the film. So if you want access to any of that, just follow those sites. The film is currently available on iTunes. You can rent it um, or buy it now on iTunes. And we're going to be screening, oh, and we're going to be on the Stars Network starting October 22nd. We're having our television premiere, and it'll keep playing on Stars for, for a few months. And we're also doing screenings around the country, continuing to screen in theaters and at universities. So we're actually going to be at Georgetown University on November 15th, and in Boston, November 13th and 14th, at Emerson and Tufts, and various other screenings around the country and around the world. So follow us on our sites to, to stay updated about that director producer of half the picture amy adrian amy thanks so much for coming on picture lock thanks so much for having me appreciate it and that's all for this episode i'd like to thank my guests ali cotterill and amy adrian for coming on the show for you radio listeners make sure you subscribe to the podcast to hear ali's after show conversation with me you can do that in itunes TuneIn, stitcher blueberry wherever you catch your podcast so you can catch those after shows and guys you've really responded to it obviously the pr and marketing strategies are really helping you i'm glad to hear it if you're a fan of alexa skills just say alexa play picture lock podcast and i'll come right up feel free to leave a five-star review of the show as well you're supporting the filmmakers i have on the show by allowing more people to be exposed to the podcast it's quick it's free and easy thank you so much for doing that You can find Picture Lock on most social media. All social media is at Picture Lock Show. Watch back episodes of the TV show at YouTube.com slash Picture Lock Show and subscribe. 
If you're interested in being a guest on the show, you can fill out the form on the website. All music is done by Mike S, the producer 13. Make sure you follow him on all things social media at Mike S, the producer, numero one, numero three. Thanks, bro. I'm Kevin Sampson, and until next time, I hope you stay locked on film.